Welcome to the Bare Naked ABCs, where we rate and discuss every Bare Naked Lady song from seven to Y. Guess what, Aaron? We yeah. are the one and only podcast that does it <laughs> alphabetically. All, all the rest of them do it by album. We are the one and only ones that do it alphabetically. Wow. We are the one and only. <laughs> no, not uh, that one and only. <laughs> oh. <laughs> See, I... With all the covers we've been having lately, I, I thought this was a Chesney Hawks cover. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put that in Although right there. I would there. like to hear that. I would definitely like to hear the BNL cover that tune. That would be amazing. Um, but that's not what we're covering tonight. Tonight yeah, we're covering Ed Robertson's <laughs> one and only. See, I know I'm lost and lonely. Aaron, you probably have the easy one. I think I, I sent you the link this week that has the album cover on well, it. Well, I saw the cover, but I only saw it for a moment and I looked away. I, I therefore know that it's either me or men. Um, my guess is bare naked ladies are men. Correct. Like, nice. Okay. Yeah. It was 50 50, <laughs> but you know, I used the lifeline for that one. Well done. It's Sister definitely an Ed song. It's, it's, this is an Ed song to the bone. Oh, this is definitely an Ed song. Yeah. <laughs> like, they blend in... And it's one of his better ones, if you ask me. Not to, not to tip my hand. They blend in some of the other stuff, but they don't... They, yeah, it's it's, de- it's Ed. <laughs> it's definitely Ed, yeah. I, I like it a lot. It's, it's ponderous, you know? It's kind of moody. It has an odd time signature. And although it has that country rock feel, it's kind of elevated beyond the typical sound, thanks to some lovely vocal harmonies and uh, a somewhat bittersweet tone. Yeah, would you got so would you let guys like to break down the music on this one for me? Sure. Especially that. Go like, ahead, Aaron. Especially uh, that goddamn off, beat. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna make Heidi do the hard work here because I didn't have um, time to do a full breakdown. So I'll I'll give you what I noticed about it in my in the time that I had to analyze it. And then Heidi can go into the, the greater details, I'm sure. Um, so you had asked Tracy specifically about the beat. Uh, well, it is in a 12-8 time signature, which is quite possibly my favorite time signature. And the interesting thing about the drums, when you first start out, it's only accenting some of the triplets, which causes kind of a slightly disjointed feel. Hey, pass the ball. Why do you run it in circles? Waves crash the wall. Soon enough, all your hard work will fail. Definitely. Um, in the demo, that's not the case. It's much more straightforward 12.8, but they're both in 12.8. Um, it was recorded at about 192 beats per minute. Assuming we're measuring the eighth notes, 
um, which is why it feels much slower than that. If we were counting quarter notes, like in three, four, we'd say this was recorded at around 96 beats per minute. Uh, as far as the key is concerned, Heidi, I'm very curious to see if you agree with me. I would say that the song is, at least for the most part, it actually is in D-Mixolydian. Yeah, I think Ooh. you're right. Somebody sniffing glue had it on. <laughs> on um, somebody had it in one site in G, which well, is, yeah. it could majority, be, because right. if it's in the fifth of the, the D, but I think you're right. I think because it's, yeah. and what that means is it's from the fifth degree of the scale. It's a Dorian, or it's a Mixolydian mode, which is built on the fifth degree of the G scale. So I, I definitely yeah. hear that. It, yeah. It's definitely got all the chords of the G scale, but the tonal center to me is clearly the D chord. It begins and it ends on the D. So it just seems like it's demixolydian to me for the most part. And there's there's either there's some things that maybe you picked up on. There are either some passing chords or some interesting yeah. borrowed chords, which I might want to hear about. Uh, yeah. as I said, unfortunately, I didn't have a full time to, to do a full breakdown. But if you want to talk about some of the more interesting chords in the structure, please go ahead. I think you're absolutely right with the demixolydian call. The first verse is interesting because it stays on a D sus two uh, and then a, like it's a D sus chord throughout. It goes back and forth between D sus two and D sus C. So for that whole verse, hey, pass the ball uh, all the way to fall. And then um, he does a turn around with D sus two times mm. two, and then goes into the second verse, wait mm. by the phone, D sus two, but then he shifts it, which is interesting. So in the second verse, he goes, from a D to an E minor seven to a C add nine, which is Jeff's favorite. Hey, Jeff, we miss you. <laughs> to a D sus two, E minor seven, C add nine. And he repeats that through the second verse. So it's like he added a layer. Um, so first it was very, and then he adds a layer to verse two. And in the chorus, he, he um, has a D chord with the F sharp on the bottom, um, a G, so he goes from the one chord to the four chord, back to the one chord to the four chord. He goes back and forth between one and four. Um, please go slow, I'm one and only. But interesting, the first time we hear the chorus, it's very short. It's only that two lines. Then the third verse, mm. he does the same thing he does with the second verse, the D sus two, so um, to the E minor seven to the C add nine. And he repeats that throughout that verse. Um, and he does the same thing for the fourth verse. And then in the chorus, this is where he starts to get, um, he does the same thing, I'm sorry, as he did the first time. And then it, you have the bridge and the bridge takes you into F. So you've got uh, F to G to D sus two to D sus two, F to G to D sus two. So he repeats that three times until he gets to the end of the bridge with the ton and he goes back into the one chord of D. So it's like he's borrowing into um, F and then coming back into D where he goes back into verse five. Um, there's there's a lot of verses here. Um, verse five uh, yeah. and then back into the outro chorus where that's repeated several times until it kind of fades out with just the and only and then it lands on one on the one chord of D Mixolydian. Am wow. I? What do you that think? That sounds of that? about right. Yeah, I, that that was very good, very very excellent analysis. And I, to me, you don't really hear a lot of sus twos outside of jazz. That's a really interesting chord. 
And we've had that a few times in the last yeah. few weeks. I've come across some sus stuff. Things have been sus. <laughs> <laughs> Very sus. Oh, no, I mean, actually, uh, off the hook. That's the fours you hear. Yeah. Sus fours you hear a lot. But yeah. a, a sus two, you, more usual to hear an ad nine, I would think, you know, or yeah. like oh, yeah. a nine. Yeah, nine is easy peasy lemon squeezy. Like everybody that's, uses that. Pulling off a sus two is, uh, that's, that takes some some skill. Yeah. There, there's oh, have to be some dissonance in there. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, I think Tracy's very confused right now. So, so with a sus chord, Tracy, you're typically taking, you know, we, you build most chords that are what we call triads, right? It's like mm -hmm. one note is just a note. Two notes is an interval. It's not really a chord until you have at least three notes. And the three notes that you usually hear or, or what you bail, build a chord out of, a greater chord, would be a triad. So usually, usually it's the first, the third, and the fifth. Right, and the first is eutonic. That's that's the note, the, the note of the chord. So if you say mm -hmm. D something, that's a D. The fifth is your perfect fifth, unless it's like a, a, a got a, a tritone in it. If it's like a, a diminished chord or something, um, and then you get a lot of the flavor or character of the chord from the third. If it's a minor third, it's a minor chord. If it's a major third, it's a major chord. Okay. Um, Which we kind of uh, I touched on this a couple weeks ago with one of the songs. Oh um, yeah. Because trying to give that explanation so people understood that uh, as well. But it, it bears repeating because it can be yeah. hard to wrap your head around. So with a sus chord, usually you're replacing the third with, uh, usually you hear like a sus four is pretty common. So instead of one, three, five, you get one, four, five. Mm -hmm. You hear that a lot in church music. You get like da 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 da. <laughs> it's like very common use of, of a sus four, um, but a sus two, you have you have a root and a, and a, a second degree, a one, a two, and a five. And typically, those notes are very. If you go to a keyboard and you press C and D together, mm -hmm. does not sound particularly harmonious usually to the human ear. Mm -hmm. uh, so it, it adds a degree of tension. Adds a degree of uh, it can almost sound sinister depending on how it's used, but I don't get that here because it's the tone is very relaxed. But as I said, it is sort of bittersweet. There's yeah. a little touch of melancholy, so it's interesting. It's very, very, uh, yeah, it's really interesting to me that they're using a sus two. Well, and, and with them doing the off notes on the drumming, it really does yeah. give a everything just a little off feel. Yeah. And I'm trying to like understand their their rationale for for doing that, and I think it is just to kind of make it feel a little discordant. It, it sounds to me, Tracy, it almost sounds like a train that's gone off the rails or is like kind of breaking down. You know, because you hear like it, that country rock feel. I always think of like Johnny Cash with that freight train sound. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like that, but it's like maybe maybe one of the wheels is starting to come loose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that that the opening, which I actually prefer prefer this version with the kind of off kilter beginning. Um, it takes a little second for it to fit in the groove for me, but I liked it better than the demo. The demo for some reason just reminded me too much of of um another bare naked lady song that sounded exactly the same in the beginning and i was could like could you place it because i looked all week and i could not dun, 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 dun. uh i almost wanted to say uh i wanted to say um 
uh oh hydro fields in my neighborhood oh okay um, yeah um, uh, light light up my room yep. i almost thought it the opening kind of sounded like light up my room in the demo version mm -hmm. um now the uh, the bridge sounded very much like another song to me and all week long i couldn't yeah do you hear that that's the light up my room yeah yeah and so uh, the minute i heard the demo i was like that sounds like light up my room <laughs> almost and i think it's the piano that does that because you have a lot oh no the it's piano the guitar mixed you think so that, oh yeah the dun to dun to dun to dun to dun to dun to dun okay yeah ed that's a common ed riff rhythm yeah. guitar yeah. riff um yeah. wouldn't you say that's aaron it. Like yeah, you yeah, that, that country road jangle going on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I, I like the off kilterness. Um, yeah. it, it sets you a, a little bit on edge, and it makes you kind of question, well, where, where is he going with this? Um, and then it just kind of gels in. For the, me, the bridge sounds like something off from Maroon, and I couldn't place where. Yeah. Yeah, I, you're right. I don't know what it is, but there's something there that was like that. I I know this. I can't get it, but I know this. <laughs> All I can tell you is that when the vocal harmonies come together with the strings, mm -hmm. it's magical. It's really good. Like I, I like the song almost immediately from the the kind of slightly off beginning. I was like, okay, this is different. This is something a little unique. And then I heard the vocal harmony was like, oh, that's beautiful. And then the strings come in and it was like, oh, that's just gorgeous. You know, like oh, that yeah. was really nicely done. I, I think the strings love... coming in, I think that bridge is my favorite part of yeah. the song. Oh, it's beautiful. I, I've always loved strings in rock music. And when you, you add, you know, really, really nice tight vocal harmonies, it's just, it's really, really gorgeous. I thought that the demo had much more, uh, like, as I was listening to the original, I said, okay, this is an Ed tune. When I yeah, listened oh yeah. to the demo, I was like, that had a lot more of a BNL feel to me. And I, so I sat there and I'm like, okay, why does this feel more BNL to me? And I think what it is, is they mix that piano so high that I could hear it in, in yeah. the demo. The demo, be. the piano is, is way too loud. I agree. It's overwhelming. Like, yeah. yeah. Like, so it's, it's just, it, too, it covers too much. So you're right there. I think it's, it's a little off putting, if you will. Yeah, I, I actually would like a blend between the two if we could get like the the piano toned down a little bit from the demo and bring the guitars up a little from the original like that would be my sweet spot with this song. Because mm. I, I just for me, this song wasn't mixed right between the instruments for, for my my liking. I, mean, I thought it was pretty nice. I, I agree. It would be nicer to have some piano in there that a little more audible where you could hear. Um, but I mean, for the most part, I think 
It, it's really hard, especially when you start talking about piano and strings and guitar and voice. <laughs> All these things that kind of sit in the mid range. Mm-hmm. Um, it gets real muddy real fast. And I know that from very late nights in the UMA recording studio as, <laughs> as a student trying to get everything so you could hear it without kind of walking over something else. You have to really, really separate things in the stereo space and do a little creative EQing. And mm. if you get too carried away, it starts to sound, some, you know, the guitars are too tinny now or the voice is too too rumbly. And it's real hard to find a space for everything. It's It's especially in a song like this where you've got that kind of reverb on the jangly guitar, you've got the strings and the voices. There's a lot going on. And yeah, I think it's real easy to, to get buried in a real kind of busy song like that. Oh yeah. yeah, I agree. And it really is. It's a, it's really a beautiful little song. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, not little song. It's a pretty extensive <laughs> song. And then for it to be completely Ed's, it is Ed. Like you can definitely yeah. tell. Um, well, I mean, which is interesting because it's the antithesis of so many things that Steven does it's completely the opposite of what we get from steven when he's talking about being alone and lonely and those things ed it's so much more pensive and so much more um sad actually yeah yeah it's yeah i feel like it's a very vulnerable song steve's more of that like burning intensity <laughs> and adds a little more like introspective and and pensive yeah yes and that's why they're so great when they work together because they bring both the fire and the ice you know <laughs> and now I'm, now I'm going off on a spinal tap I, i'm the lukewarm water between them <laughs> <laughs> i like I have to, there's some really cool things that they do with the music in this song that we haven't discussed yet. Like the, the fact that it goes quiet all of a sudden in the, in the middle of the song. drop is again it's very disrupting it's very disorienting which is why i think he's going for with the song itself like you almost feel like you came up to a cliff and just like oh came to a full and complete stop and then all of a sudden it's starting back up again Mm. this song makes you feel like you're lost in the woods and you just dropped your compass and you can't find it yeah basically but in a maybe, good way maybe he should be maybe he should be navigating whoops oh, oh see what i did there <laughs> no nobody okay good um i i think that the song should have ended two bars earlier though yeah it does kind of hang on for a especially little bit especially with those weird guitar strums at the very end like I, I would have gotten rid of those. I just, it doesn't, I don't know. I, I It feels like the beginning of a new song, almost like uh, the White Album where it's, I mean, uh, Abbey Road, where it's going from one song to the next. 
it, it kind of has that feel of like, oh, we've entered a new song, but it's not. It's the end of this song. Um, so it's just very odd for a choice. And I couldn't quite put my finger on what their reasoning was for doing that. I, I'll share a little insight. I might have I may have said this before. I've been on so many episodes now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't keep track of all my stories. But uh, as someone who does write and record songs, I, I feel like most people, I can't speak for everyone, of course, but I feel like most people who put songs down and, and finally say, I'm going to release this into the world, whether it's on CD or iTunes or Spotify or SoundCloud or whatever, you're never, it's never really finished. Hmm. It's, it's just, okay, this is good enough. I feel like, because you can, <laughs> everyone is their own worst critic. And you're always like, oh, I, I should have done this more like that, or I should have brought the guitars up three decibels, or I should have done whatever. And, and you're never really finished. And, and, you know, this is maybe because of someone, as someone who both, you know, writes and records music and also is, is a sound engineer and mixes and masters music. It, it's really never done because it never leaves my hands. I'm, I'm always doing something to it. So it's like, for me, I could easily see them, you know, initially saying, oh, we're going to fade this out. And then saying, okay, well, we'll fade it out here and we'll, we'll let it go for 15 seconds. Like, oh, no, we'll let it go for 30 seconds. Oh, no, no, maybe maybe we'll do, we'll leave a couple more bars in and we'll, we'll make the fade out shorter. Or maybe we'll just let it ring on the last chord. So it's the kind of thing where like the band could have a disagreement about it and they make a compromise. Who knows? Um, but yeah, it's just, it's, it's, to me, it's, if you know, I, I thought it was a fine way to end it, but my guess is, you know, if, if you if you think maybe it was something a little odd about it, it could have been the result of a, of a disagreement or a, some kind of compromise made between the bandmates. It's just kind of a we never quite know what's going on in the recording studio. That's a good point. I would like your thoughts on this. And I know it is complete and utter speculation. Um, I would love to talk to Ed about the rationale behind this. Um, Ed, we love you. Can you please come on the show? Yeah, That'd be great. You know you listen. Please come on. <laughs> you know you listen. <laughs> I mean, if you release a 29-song album, then you're going to have to leave some songs out. But they have only played this song nine times in concert and haven't touched it since 2013. Hmm, That's a shame. It's a shame. It's a good song. It is a good song. And and Steven has not sung this ever since he's left the band. Well, it's Ed. It's a very Ed tune, yeah. Yeah, but I mean... It, I feel like John like Lennon played Maxwell Silverhammer, you know what I mean? <laughs> well, I mean, Steven has... Like, when he's done a... We're going to cover this album, album by album during his live shows, he has covered Ed Ed songs, but this isn't one of the ones that he's ever done, even in, in those special shows, which he's doing some right now. And this is not one that he's covered. So it's, it's interesting that it's not one that's done very often. Although Ed did do it in the bathroom sessions. Hmm. It was, it was very stripped down in the bathroom sessions as you would, as you would expect, but there's a part of it that sounds right because he is alone and singing this song and and it just kind of feels very almost uh a very a much more sad that mm. so that's a valid point i mean 
Excellent drop in, Monty. (laughs) (laughs) Cool story, Hansel. No, but uh, yeah, no, I mean, if he's by himself, you know, it makes sense. But the thing is, what I what I love about this song is that it does manage to kind of uh, uh, evoke that feeling of loneliness while still being very lush and very well arranged and have having all these beautiful harmonies. So, and again, to to a certain extent, Tracy, I, I might actually disagree with you, only in as much as not to say that it doesn't sound more lonely when it's just adding his guitar which of course it probably would but i think i prefer the contradiction because again that bittersweet quality of the song it, it seems like the song's not entirely it's not i don't think the song is necessarily about being alone it's about wondering if you're going to be alone it's it's kind of like schrodinger's relationship mm-hmm. you know are we are we really breaking up or are we are we just having a fight i feel that's like a, this, 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 yeah that's a really good point yeah well, what, we should talk a little bit about what this song is actually about, I suppose. What do you guys... I, to me, this is a very poetic song that, is, for me, was hard to kind of decipher and, and break down other than just feeling lonely in a relationship, I guess. I don't know. Maybe you guys have better insight into the song than I do. I don't think like I don't think so. I think it again. It's just it, lyrically. I think it's just a very um, lonely song. Again, uh, pass the ball. Why do you run it in circles? Um, waves are crashing the wall. Soon enough, all your hard work will fall. So, like you're you built the sandcastle wall. And it's going to fall down because that's how life is. Like the water is going to wash it away. Um, so all that you've done to build it is going to wash away. So um, everything. Look on, look on my works and despair, right? It's Ozymandias. Right. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Um, wait by the phone. I don't know if I can take this. Leave me alone. I don't know if I can make this work. Like it's so internal. Um, and when the whole idea of you're my one and only takes on a whole new meaning here, I'm one and only, um, where you say, oh, you know, my dearest, my love, you're my one and only, my, you're my one and only person. Um, and it's interesting because think about his use of one and only, and am right. I the only one, um, which is a beautiful song. I've always loved, am I the only one? Um, which and came up that, a lot this week when I went to search for the song. Oh, yeah. yeah. And and so he uses the term, the only one, one and only, these things a lot. Um, and being the idea of that you're one and only, that means I'm one and only by myself this time. Like, I, and I'm vulnerable. See, okay. I know I'm lost and lonely. Please go slow because I'm vulnerable and I don't want to get hurt. And right. I'm one and only. I'm the only one. Like it's it's a very interesting play on the words that he's used before. Right. I mean, I'm a unique person. I I and so, but I'm also fragile. So be careful with me. But and then he and goes it, on to say later, "Lend me a hand. I think I could yeah. walk if you help me." So this guy's been hurt. 
Mm-hmm. He's been hurt deeply by either, uh, like, let's just use a relationship metaphor, but he's been really hurt deeply. And it's like, I'm not ready to jump back into the water yet, but I think I can try. I'm not going to make any guarantees um, and understand that if I if I had the guts to tell you why I can't do it, I would, but I'm mm-hmm. just not there yet. So it's a very vulnerable song. Yeah, to me, it's it. It kind of brings to mind, you know, you can only burn yourself so many times before you, you know, you're, or you can only get burned so many times before you're kind of wary. Um, so yeah, I, regardless of the specifics, I, I, I would be very curious. Ed, please do come on. We know you. <laughs> I would be very, very uh, curious to know the specifics if you had something more specific in mind. This is kind of one of Ed's word painting songs mm. where it, he's really just kind of painting a picture in your mind. It's not telling a straightforward story so much as it is sort of just kind of hinting at emotions and hinting at feelings. And I think my favorite lyric is wait, hold the phone. I don't know if I can take this. It's some great wordplay. Uh, you're not sure if he's saying, you know, he can't take the call or he can't take the news that the call will bring or, you know, um, and the whole, th- I guess that's the whole thing. The whole thing is very much again, like Schrodinger, Schrodinger. It's like um, two quantum states and you're not really sure which one is reality or, or which one will be the observed result. You know, it's, I guess um, insecurity and uncertainty are the two emotions that I most get from this tune. And, uh, but it's beautifully done. And it's, it's such a, it's like, it's the most gorgeous kind of uncertainty that you could, you could arrive at. It's great. Yeah, it really, you know, I love the line, uh, hold me a while, tell me you'll never be leaving. I'll walk the mile seeing, but not Not quite believing you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and how, you know, you hear that a lot with relationships or especially in movies where you you need to let go and just let somebody love you. <laughs> um, but you're not but you don't believe you can be loved or you don't believe that that can happen for you again or whatever. Again, this is a hurt and vulnerable person and the use of and then him see the ending. Where it's an only and only and only one and only one. So he lands on the one. On one, yeah. Right. Just like which the is one, the, the loneliest number the that you'll that ever do. <laughs> one is the loneliest. I love how you both went in completely <laughs> different directions with that. I know, right? I went with one is the loneliest number. I was thinking uh, Three Dog Night, but I, I went with the uh, went with the music nerd thing. And see, I went with one <laughs> in terms of you too. So there we go. One love. Oh, there you go. One. Wait, Aaron, which one did you go after? Because I was I, so in. I my just own. said we end on one because we end on the D chord, which is the tonic, because it's D right. mixolydian, <laughs> which is what I told everybody, and then. <sighs> Two can be as sad as one. <laughs> the loneliest. Sus two can be as sad as one. <laughs> right. <laughs> number one is loneliest number. I also that enjoyed that. a great song. It is a great song. Three Dog Night kicked ass. They are underrated. Oh, they are so very underrated. underrated. Like, dude. Like so underrated, and at some point we'll be covering Bare Naked Ladies' version of Joy to the World. Jeremiah oh, was a bullfrog. We'll be coming back around. Good friend of mine. <laughs> Never st- understood a single word he said. 
<laughs> that leads me to the line I wanted to talk about, which, which is, is pass me a drink. Last <clears throat> last but not least of my virtues is gone. Hmm. Which is interesting because one of one of Ed's virtues is the fact that he he doesn't drink. He's not an alcoholic. So he's like, you know what? I, all of my virtues are got pass me the drink. I'm done. I I I have right. might more. as well. Might as well. Yeah, might as well. Right. He's at the end of his rope. And I just yeah. like that. I think that is one of the most telling lines in that song because of that for him. Like any other person, like pass me a drink is not a big life. Him saying that has a ton of weight. Which makes exactly. me believe there yeah. is a real personal story behind this tune. And I would be very curious to hear about it. Ed, we know you listen. Please come on the yeah, show. Please come on the show. <laughs> one of these days, I'm just waiting for the day that like one of Ed's friends sits him down and says, you got to listen to these guys. They're crazy. They love your music. You got to listen to them. And he hears us say, Ed, we know you listen. <laughs> well, we say it pretty much yeah. every show. <laughs> the odds are pretty good. Odds are we're going to be it. all right if Ed uh-huh. comes on the show. Oh, what? <laughs> I mean, it's a really nice poetic song. And when you sit yeah. down and you read the lyrics, it makes sense. It's hard to follow it in the moment because of the speed of the song, I think. And I think that it it emphasizes a lot of in that moment. But leading one thought to the next is hard for me because of the speed of this song. Yeah. Well, but I, know. Get the, I get the idea of it with the feel of the song. Like the 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 musicality of the song makes me kind of understand what he's trying to pass along. But I hadn't even thought of that first line of, Hey, pass the ball. Why do you run it in circles? Like he's literally wanting to be connected. And this other person is being selfish and and isolated. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Tracy, sorry, go ahead. Finish your thought, please. No, go. Yeah. That was the end of my thought. Well, I, I just got excited because you know how I love programmatic elements in music. And I know that BNL are music nerds and that we've heard them do crazy things with their core choices. And we've heard them do things that were clearly them nodding and winking to the music nerds out there. And sure. it just occurred to me when you said the speed of the song, because as I pointed out, because it's in 12.8, you could say, that it was quite fast at 192 beats per minute. But if you were Mm. counting quarter notes, you would say it was 96 beats per minute, which is quite a bit slower. Well, the thing is that disjointed drum beat at the beginning, because it's not playing on all the eighth notes, it could be interpreted as a 96 beats per minute. Yeah, and I have it at 96. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a pretty that's a pretty legit read. I think either way is correct. But again, this showing your song. So like here, mm. you have a song where is it going fast or is it going slow? It kind of sounds like it's going slow. Uh, but if it's in 12-8 and we're counting eighth notes, those eighth notes are passing by pretty quickly. Mm. So again, I think there's this uncertainty and there's this element of unknowability to it i don't know if that's an actual word but if it's not i coined it (laughs) and you know um like i've played a lot of uh, of wind ensemble music um Mm. and obviously as a french horn player and there are some composers that have a tendency like there's one in particular that i remember playing and it felt like we were just 
tripping over ourselves mm. with the rhythmic because again like you said 12a i love 12a oh, yeah, um yeah. Uh, it's actually a lot more simple than everybody thinks it is because it's just in four really <laughs> one in a two right. one two three four five right. six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve one two um it's yeah. It, yeah exactly and but if you syncopate the rhythm just right it feels like you're tripping over yourself. So that's kind of also programmatic of him mm. just tripping over himself. Like, yeah, can't get out of your own way. You can't get out of his own way. Right. And I love yeah. music that does that. There's a section with the waves crash, yeah. uh, waves crash the wall. And it's, it's programmatic right there with what they do musically. It mm -hmm. echoes exactly what lyrically they're trying to say, I think. No, I completely agree. And that's why the more that I hear this song and the more that I think about it, the more I actually like it because it, it really does feel like a lot of care was put into little elements. And I feel like Ed actually really kind of finely tuned this quite a bit. Well, and Jim did the string, the string arrangements on this, but I, Kevin is, do you guys realize how much Kevin was in this song? I didn't like, I thought he was barely in it because he's mixed so low, but he's playing the Rhodes piano, the yep. Mellotron, nice. the, the synthesizer, and the Celeste. Oh, nice. Wow. Like, I didn't, I heard the piano. <laughs> I didn't hear <laughs> any of the other ones. Um, I'm sure they're in there. And if I had like the, if I had the mix, I could probably find it in there a lot easier. But have we talked about the Mellotron before, Tracy, and how awesome it is? We haven't. We didn't talk about the Celeste either. We it was there for us to almost talk about last week with Betsy. But uh, tell us about the Celeste and the Mellotron. Well, the Mellotron in particular, it's it's an <laughs> it sounds like a musical transformer. Yeah, it, it's <laughs> Mellotron. It's, okay, so when I hear Mellotron, I always think of the opening to Strawberry Fields Forever because those. Uh, flutes that you hear are Mellotron samples. So the Mellotron was an analog synthesizer. When usually you say synthesizer, you're thinking of this digital electronic synthesizer, mm -hmm. which use recorded samples of instruments. The Mellotron had samples, but they were actually tape loops. So there were all these loops of tape inside the instrument. And when you pressed a key, it, it pulled that tape down for whatever voice you were using and it played it at a specific rate. Dude. It moved the tape just fast enough to recreate the tone of that key. It's wow. a real, real mechanical marvel. It's like one of those things that it, it, it could only have existed in the time that it did, because as soon as electronic synthesizers came about, it was much easier, of course, to do to use and produce these. But they're so cool. They have such a distinctive sound. And as they get older and there's like little skips and stuff in the, in the loop, and it, it just becomes so much more like, I don't know, it, it, each Mellotron <laughs> is going to sound a little unique because of the way that the tape degrades. So, so it, of, course, Kevin, me. of course, Kevin, yeah. being the nerd that he is, is like, I have to use the Mellotron. Oh, <laughs> I've always wanted a Mellotron as, you know, as a Beatles fan alone. I've always loved the Mellotron. Oh my it gosh. is so cool. I'm looking it up right now. Now, a Celesta is slightly different. It looks like a piano, but it's not a piano. Um, it's smaller than a piano. Um, and it has 
like steel plates that are struck mm. with hammers instead of strings that are struck with hammers that is a piano um but a, a celeste is smaller like it does it's not 88 keys um i don't even know how many keys are on a celesta do you know I don't actually. I, I'm glad that you took this one, Heidi. Because I don't know nearly as much about the Celeste as I know of the Mellotron. So I was hoping. Um, oh, that's in. because you can you can get um, a Celeste in two different. You can get a four octave okay. or a five octave, and they have smaller keys too. So it almost mm. kind of looks and sounds like a toy. Um, it sounds mm. like a toy piano. If you want to know what it sounds like, think of the beginning of the Harry Potter theme. That, um, that is played on a Celeste. It's like a glockenspiel. Uh, Dance of the Sugar Plum Fairy. Yes. Yeah. That's probably the most known use of that yeah. um it sounds very similar to the glockenspiel because yeah. again the metal plates metal glockenspiel yeah. is a it has metal plates that which are aligned that like a xylophone kind of um, toy like sound yeah yeah it does give you that um, Musical and interesting that it the it's one of the highest pitches it pitched instruments mm, true so cuts, that's it what gives it that very light ethereal so, kind of sound so four octaves so that would be 32 keys is that right uh it depends um if it's four octaves 12 times four it should be 44 i would 44. think yeah. 44 yeah there's some on each side of it, every so yeah. day it's cool. getting closer wow uh jethro told the string quartets used it wow <laughs> oh yeah uh every day by buddy holly the very beginning Oh, okay. That's um it 49. uses it there. Cherish by the association. Cherish is a word I use to describe. Oh yes. Well, so yeah, I mean, it, basically, these are all things that like I wish that I owned, right? Like, if I had the money, I'd go out and buy a Rhodes immediately. I'd go out and buy a Mellotron. Wait, 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 uh, wait, Aaron, are you yeah. saying that if you had a million dollars, you would? Go oh, out and buy I see what you did there. Oh, Tracy! <laughs> oh, Tracy! Oh, Tracy! That's the trouble with Tracy. I was gonna say, what's the trouble with Tracy today? <laughs> Ah, uh, there's a lot of trouble with Tracy with this song. Uh oh, uh oh. <laughs> I I know oh, you no. guys really enjoy this song. I I don't enjoy this song so much. Um, and it's well, funny the things that you guys enjoy about this song are the things I don't enjoy. Um, hmm. that that beat at the beginning where they're skipping beats, and I can I can hear it. Like that's why I pointed it out to you. I'm like some i i can't tell i couldn't tell you like that it was a 12 8 and it was it was going on off numbers and missing some of the beats i couldn't tell you any of that what i could tell was like this doesn't feel right something feels off and it makes me feel icky when i'm listening to this um i didn't it, it really set me off and i and i know that's what he was going for 
but it wasn't it, it really made me not like it enough to begin from the mm. start that I didn't enjoy the rest of the song. Even once it came back in, I, I liked the song, but there was still that echo for me of, of not liking the beginning of it enough. It did its job. It just didn't make me feel good enough to enjoy the song because of it. Okay. Does that, does that make sense? I, I suppose. I mean, I completely, I completely have to disagree with you, but, but I understand. <laughs> I, I think, you know, as we've talked about before, music is a very subjective thing. Yeah. And what is going to really connect with, with one person is really going to be off-putting to another. Um, and, I, and I think that what was what he was going for just was off-putting enough for me that I was like, nope, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, I like to be taken out of my comfort zone. Um, it, I'll, put it, I'll put it to you this way. Tracy, have you, have you ever have you ever heard of metal machine music? Mm, yes. Re okay, so uh, uh, that was a weird yes. Lou Reed. I had to think of it. Of the Velvet Underground. <laughs> yes. If I'm not mistaken, I, I could be completely wrong here. I'm trying to remember my music history class, but I believe uh, Lou Reed of the Velvet Underground. I, I think was trying to get out of a contract. He had like he had to do at least one more album for this label before they would let him go. So he just recorded like a bunch of of like distorted noise he just recorded <laughs> an entire album of like he just like messed up his amplifier and like fed back his guitar and just like walked away and let the let the mic uh it's probably a little bit more creative than that i'm sure there was like some music concrete uh kind of experimentation in there but it was basically it's, a, it's an album full of noise um <laughs> I don't enjoy listening to that. I, I had a friend who put it on for me once and I didn't listen to very much of it. Um, I can appreciate it. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, if there, if it was more than just an FU to the label and he was doing something, I can appreciate the experimentation and the creativity, Right. but it doesn't mean I'm going to like it. So I think I get what you're saying, but for me, I like to be taken outside of my comfort zone as long as it's still something I can connect with, which I definitely yeah. could in this case. Yeah. yeah. And I, and I think that was what it was for me was it, it felt so disjointed from the feel of the song. And I think like, once again, that's what he was going for. Like you have this odd time signature that's slightly fast, that is going against this really slow feeling song. And it, I, it, it just knocked me off enough that it didn't work for me. Uh, I'm sorry. But I, I like the fact that you brought up Lou Reed because, of course, you know, Kevin played with Lou Reed for a very long time. And, Lucky you, know, Ducky. <laughs> you know, he, he you know, he loved Lou Reed. Um, so I think that's great that you brought that up. I, I was not aware of that, but that's he's very fortunate for being able to have said that he can be played music with Lou Reed. That's pretty amazing. Right. Yeah. He actually played at his uh, at the at the funeral as well um because and that's where he met the persuasions and then the persuasions they, and kevin built a relationship and that's where the persuasions connection came in i heard that lou reed was one of two people that keanu reeves ever asked for an autograph the other being uh, george carlin really that's intriguing i yeah. did not know that huh <laughs> well it, it is freaking lou reed like yeah, he I mean, should just on. have a freaking in front of his name um 
Well, while right. we're talking of the one and only Lou Reed, we should probably oh. talk about the what, what our rankings are of this song. Um, we don't have a Jeff, so I'm gonna unless you guys have an immediate thought, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that we're talking about something that is unique and lonely on Earth, and so I'm I'm gonna go with the platypus. How many platypuses okay. do we give this oh, song? Platypi, so my friend. <laughs> well, the, actually, I looked it up while we were talking tonight because I, I, it could be a number of different things. There is no scientific defined way to pluralize platypuses. Really? Correct. Really? <clears throat> well, I learned something. So today. We are both platypi. correct. <laughs> oh, it's Schrodinger's platypus. <laughs> <laughs> Schrodinger's platypus. Which goes with the, everything else about this oh, yeah. song. Platypuses and platypodes or platypodes. Platypodes. Uh, also correct. Wow. Interesting. <laughs> platypodes. I, I learned several things today. Um, you, who wants to go first? You, you um, go first? I'm gonna let I'm gonna let you go first, Aaron. Okay. Well, I, I have made no secret that I do like this song. Um, I can't quite put it up there with you know like Brian Wilson or Conventioneers or. Uh, the flag but it certainly deserves in my opinion this is going on my my best of playlist and uh i think it it, it definitely makes the cut i would give one and only 4.1 platypie out of five so four platypuses and a beak of another four platypuses <laughs> and a beak that sounds like a sitcom it does. Four platypuses and a beak. Four weddings and a funeral. Four platypuses and a beak. We'll be right back with more four platypuses and four a beak. Four platypuses and a beak. Well, glad you could join us. <laughs> how, how about you, Heidi? What do you? What I do you, really love. I really love this song. I'm glad. Like again, I, I haven't spent a lot of time with blame or blaming <laughs> um uh blam and blame um i haven't spent a whole lot of time with them i i have them and i have enjoyed them but i think it's just because i don't know why i i still am a fan of like the first five <laughs> yeah the first five are really the first really five good. albums i'm that's where i go to that's that's kind of where i'm at um but I love this. And the more I listened to it the last week or so, it was like, oh, yeah, I forgot how much I really do like this song. Um, I'm going to give it 4.2 platypoidoi. Platypi. Platypods? Platypods. Yes, 4.2 platypods. 4.2. Nice. Nice. Well, I didn't let, uh, first of all, um, I would like to put in here what Stefan's thoughts were. So, Stefan. That started off kind of weird. I wasn't sure what was going on with it. There really wasn't much for instrumental at the beginning of the song. And I'm like, okay, is this a song from Snack Time and I'm missing something here? It's like, is this designed to put people asleep? Because, uh, And then the instruments started kicking in. It was on one of the regular albums. Oh, no kidding. Once the instruments kicked in, I could understand the uh, how he was singing. That made sense. I, I thought it was okay once the uh, once the instruments and the, the whole band kind of joined in on things. Do I think it's an amazing song? No, but uh, do I think that they kind of redeemed themselves a little bit as the song progressed? Yeah, I guess so. It had the same beat throughout the whole thing. It was consistent. 
wasn't anything to write at home about uh, where I put it on my playlist. No, but if it crossed over, I probably wouldn't get rid of it either. Maybe at first, uh, you know, the first part of the song, I'm like, ah, I don't want to listen to this. <laughs> I'd probably skip over it. But um, other than that, I think one and only would be more like a three for me. Stefan, my goodness. Um, but Stefan is not the hater this week. Uh-oh. Yeah. Trouble I'm, with Tracy. I am definitely the hater this week. Goodness. Um, I respect Ed for doing experimental things, and I feel like this... this I don't in, even think is, it's that experimental. It's not like this is uh, John Cage. Not- well, <laughs> no, not but four it's, minutes and thirty-three seconds. Not Stop Steve Reich videos. over here. <laughs> but Still doing class. the twelve-eight and and then kind of messing around with the, that a little bit, I think, you know, I I get where he's going for with it. It just didn't work, um, in in my way, and um, I I really like the bridge on the song, but. Yeah, it just doesn't work for me so well. So I have to give it a 2.85. Oof. All right. Well, I'm just going to ask you. I know it's early in the year. Put a little asterisk by that. I do will. Do me a favor. Listen to it in a few months. See if you, you know feel what? the same way. Absolutely. Because I, <laughs> I will admit that it, there is possibility that it's just the wrong time of the year and I'm in a bad space because of all yeah. the other. You, ch- you chose the wrong things. breakfast cereal this morning. Yeah. yeah, you didn't have your Wheaties. <laughs> like, there's a lot of bad things going on in life right now, and maybe this just made me feel those feels that I didn't want to mm, be. kind of touch base with right now. Um, so yeah, I will come back with this back in the Christmas season and and see if that puts me in a better mood for this song. Fair enough, good sir. Fair I appreciate enough. That. Fair so. enough. Um, I do. <laughs> I do want to push people toward hearing a song that I like a lot more, at least as of right now, um, this week. And it's so it's going to be this week's appearance, but it's not really an appearance. Um, and it's not really Bare Naked Ladies, but is sort of. Steven just released a new song this week, and I have to give him tons of credit for doing so um, because hopefully, yeah, okay. Um, because of his message and i back up his message um so currently uh this is a coming out a couple weeks later but currently there's some uh controversy going on with joe rogan and spotify right yes i've heard i've heard joe please come on the show we know you listen (laughs) um (laughs) wait a minute Hey, controversy is good. It's good for 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 clicks, my friend. <laughs> um, so I'm going to share a screen real quick. But I really enjoy this song that Stephen just released um, about that whole controversy and his opinions about uh, said oh, controversy. Hold on one moment while I connect this up. I had no idea he wrote a song about this. If you gotta choose between smoke and sun. is fantastic and i totally agree i would choose neil young every time neil we know you listen please come on (laughs) 
Neil, yes, we would talk to you any day of the week. Definitely. I would love to talk to Neil about his, like, he had this album where he used a vocoder all the time. It was Ooh. really, really different. Like, not normally what you would think of for Neil Young stuff. Interesting, interesting stuff. I'd like to, I'd like to talk to him about Transformer Man. Come on the show, Neil. <laughs> but I... I absolutely love Steven's new song. He is not holding back any punches. He's like, this is what I believe. And fuck you if you don't. Yeah, that's 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 definitely Steve for you. <laughs> Steven, Steven is not holding anything back anymore. He's let it be known what side he's on with everything, um, whether it be a mouse or or it be trucks. Um, and, and he said that his reason for coming out with this wasn't just Neil Young. Um, that was a nice little hook for him to kind of go with, but it was because of the uh, big protest that's going on in Ottawa, and it just really stirred up a lot of feelings for mm. him. Um, and and so he decided that he was going to write this song about all the wonderful protesting that's going on at this time, and and people putting their opinions out there. <laughs> all right, well, good for you, Stephen, and nice song. And I highly recommend people go out yeah. and at least listen to the song. Uh, but I recommend buying it like, hey, back up Steven. And he wrote this song this week as his opening song for his live from home concert. That's where oh, he nice. premiered it. Um, nice. <laughs> I Very have my nice. own concert, so I don't know. Let's just start it off with my brand new song. <laughs> I got a little something new for you. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, I'm supposed. To, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go go right ahead. I was going to say uh, we, we um, keep tripping over each other. We, you know, this whole show could get derailed in a second. It's I just know, one right? little slip away from having oh, that problem. I see what you did uh. there. I love that song. I'm really excited about Tracy, it. Tracy, if I had I'm a million to... dollars, I'd buy you a Segway because you're the king of Segways, my oh, friend. Not that kind of Segway, but the other Segway. Um, I am supposed to see Enter the Haggis coming yes. up in a couple of days. Yes. Very cool. But we're expecting a monster snowstorm. Oh, no, mm -hmm. that's right. Thursday night into Friday. So You see him uh, on Thursday, right? Yeah, Thursday night. We're supposed to see him on Friday, so right. <laughs> we'll see whether that happens or if they have to postpone it. Yeah, I don't know, because um, right now it's not looking so good. <laughs> no, no. And I hope, I really hope that we do get to see them. I oh, hope yeah, they're able to come. I am Definitely. super excited to go and see Craig and, and get to watch them play, because I've loved the music that I've heard so far. Yes. Yeah, I'm really excited. I've been listening to a lot of their stuff over the last few weeks. And it's really, really good. And so original. Like, I love the fact that it's uh, like rock music with a bagpipe and fiddle is just amazing. Yeah. I mean, I've always been a big fan of that kind of aesthetic. I like the Dropkick Murphys too, you know? Oh, yeah. I, I've always loved and, and uh, Dropkick Murphys, Flogging Molly. Um, I like, I'm a big fan of the, the Celtic um bands in fact Mur yeah. the murphys uh we were i remember when covid first hit right before um it was right before saint patrick's day uh 2020 and they did the they were had a big concert that they were supposed to have in boston and they just put it on anyway um for free and live streamed <laughs> it and we watched nice. from nice. our yurt in the backyard and it was like we <laughs> so needed awesome. it 
We so yeah, needed it on that it. day because it had been such a hard hit. Like mm. our, you know, everybody's world just shut down. And then I bought the t-shirt. <laughs> so it was like, <laughs> like I was, it's so it's, they're really incredible. Um, they're just incredible. So I'm really looking forward to Enter the Haggis. I'm really in, into that kind of Celtic feel stuff. So mm. it's pretty fun. Oh, Heidi, since we brought up experimental music, do you know who I'm going to see uh, in a couple of months? Uh, no. <laughs> Are your psychic powers working? No. Um, I, I tried to turn them on. <laughs> I'm going to go see Godspeed, you Black Emperor. Godspeed, you Black Emperor. Yes. Where are you going to see them? Uh, in Boston. I, I am so excited. They, If you haven't heard them, check them out. They are... They describe themselves as an anarchist rock group, I think. Is and they're they also said. Canadian. They're so. from Montreal, yep. There's they're a tie-in. Awesome. Yeah, they're pretty great. They use a lot of strings, and um, it, it, they just create really, really... Uh, they're probably most well-known from the original 28 Days Later. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. stumbles out of the hospital and sees London empty for the first time. There's that amazing song with the strings just build and build in intensity. That's them, and it's fantastic they have some amazing work any band that has an album titled f sharp a sharp infinity, infinity. Yeah. like yeah that's from that that's uh that's east tastings from that from that album actually yeah like holy yeah. cow <laughs> yeah they're great check them out yeah definitely like that's so cool i didn't know they were touring or doing anything anymore yeah i just like, kind of randomly happened across it and i was like oh i gotta see them a nine piece epic band yeah, that, they, they are. Holy cow! Epic <laughs> band, dude. Oh shoot! That is amazing. I'm gonna have to listen to their stuff this week. Yeah, I'd be curious I keep to hear. Forgetting your what day it is. This is a problem. This is Tuesday, right? <laughs> and uh, before you come to next week's podcast. I would recommend watching Chicken Little because that's a song that the title song of that. And that I love movie. that movie. It's such a I good movie. I've never seen it. Oh, it's really, really, it's really good. Thanks everybody for joining us this week. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, that was fun. Don't forget, no regrets. Except maybe. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points.
FantasyPoints.com. Code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 